it's up to us, right, as a sector, as people focused in emergency management and healthcare and humanitarian work to help the most medically vulnerable populations and help ensure that they are taken care of when bad things happen. 720 WGN high atop Chicago in the Skyline studio and excited for Preparedness Matters with Vince Davis and Daniel and Vince. Our next guest is somebody that we want to highlight in the emergency preparedness and relief on the disaster side world. And who is our guest today? Yes, we're talking today to Harley Jones. Harley is the senior manager of domestic operations for Project Hope, a Chicago-based organization that does a lot of really great work in preparedness, particularly on the healthcare side. So we're excited to talk with Harley today and let people know about this uh, this wonderful organization and some of the great work they're doing, not only in Chicago, but around the world. So hi there, Harley. Uh, how are you today? Hey, Vince. It's great to talk to you. Thank you so much for uh, for giving me the opportunity to come, uh, come on here and, and talk a little bit about Project Hope and our work. So Harley, uh, Project Hope is a uh, international humanitarian organization mainly focused on placing power in the hands of local health care workers to save lives across the globe. That's a huge statement, especially given the pandemic that we just came out of or are on our way out of uh, over the last couple of years. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and a little about the organization? Absolutely. Um, you're absolutely right. It's, a, it's quite a huge mission statement and a pretty humbling uh, job and organization to be a part of. So, um, you know, my background is in emergency management. I spent almost 20 years with the American Red Cross, where I spent most of my time in, here in Illinois, in Chicago, but really spent probably a half to a third of the year responding to emergencies and disasters, not only around the United States, but in multiple countries, kind of always focused on those basic humanitarian needs. So I've got quite a background and I kind of bring that humanitarian uh, and emergency response background to Project Hope. I've been with Project Hope for, for just a couple years, and you hit it right on the head. Project Hope, while we're a global humanitarian organization, healthcare organization, the pandemic really created this huge need and this huge opportunity for Project Hope to be helpful here in the United States, especially in response to the pandemic. So let me tell you a little bit about Project Hope. Because the story is very similar as we think about um, kind of where the mission comes from. So Project Hope was actually founded in 1958. It's a pretty cool story, actually. Our founder, Dr. William Walsh, um, had been a physician stationed in uh, the South Pacific uh, during the war. He was just really disturbed by the lack of healthcare capacity that he saw in different places around the world, in particular for children, right? He, he was kind of running into populations of people who had really never seen doctors. And by the mid-1950s with President Eisenhower to get a decommissioned Navy ship that he then outfitted with medical equipment and then volunteer doctors and nurses, and they just started going around the world, sometimes after emergencies and sometimes just focused on healthcare and creating healthcare opportunities and better outcomes 
for people around the world and fast forward to today. And that's the work we continue to do around the world and here in the United States. You look at this and, and you mentioned it, Harley, as far as the pandemic, and it kind of made people reassess not only the situation around the world, but also kind of our own situation here. You mentioned how it was able to give a different perspective on what it is that you do and make things here in America more relevant. Talk a little bit about that, right? Where everyone sort of felt the vulnerability and the needs here in America because of the pandemic, which maybe wasn't the case before. Yeah, that's such a that's such a great point. And I think the pandemic for the first time was this health emergency that affected every single person in the United States simultaneously, right? Um, we often talk about disasters that affect you know lots of people. And so, you know, the pandemic affected everybody. Either people were getting sick or their livelihoods were affected. You guys will all remember that, right? Like the, the, the country was shutting down. We were putting forward strategies to keep each other safe, to be helpful. And every single person in the United States was affected by that. At the same time, there were things that we knew were going to be a problem, right? Issues like health equity, issues like the uninsured population or people who have kind of long-term and long-standing healthcare issues or non-communicable diseases that might um, affect how they live their lives. All of these things were exacerbated by the pandemic itself. And, and so Project Hope, much like every organization in the United States, was really well positioned to be helpful with that. So we began the distribution of millions of pieces of personal protective equipment at a time where it was nearly impossible to get those. Why were we able to do that? Because this is what we do, right? As a global health organization, we have those pipelines, those supply chains to be able to do that. And simultaneously, we had the expertise and the people who had spent years and their careers in the public health field in other countries and in the United States that were ready to jump in and be a support to that, whether it was providing surge staffing to medical institutions or here in Chicagoland, it was providing infection prevention specialists to start going to nursing homes, which at the beginning of the pandemic, where we saw a majority of the cases and deaths beginning to occur. So we were very well positioned, very humbled to be able to enact our mission in different places across the United States in response to the pandemic as well. Very interesting. So you, you were more prepared probably than most to step really right into that space where you were already working and really, uh, help fill some of those voids. I know, um, you know, my personal story, my mother was in a nursing home in, in Florida during most of the pandemic. And, uh, those situations presented a bunch of unique challenges, uh, for everybody. So I'm, I'm glad to know that somebody was at the ready at least to help, help mitigate some of those some of those problems and challenges. So Harley, tell me a little bit about, you said you work with the Red Cross. I know here in Chicago, you and I have a little bit of a history together. We work together there at the American Red Cross of Greater Chicago. Talk about how that experience with the Red Cross helps you now in your, uh, in your role in, in directing domestic operations for, for the organization. Yeah, great, great question. And, and I'm also excited to like, as a part of my history to share, you know, that I got into public service uh, I got into emergency management in 2004 as an AmeriCorps volunteer. Many of your listeners might might be familiar with that, but um, AmeriCorps is kind of like the domestic version of the Peace Corps, where individuals have an opportunity to volunteer a year of their time 
focused on kind of public health or emergency management. And so I was introduced to the Red Cross within just a few weeks. I, I found myself responding to hurricanes in the United States and, and growing my own experience and my network. And that took me back here to Illinois, where I was able to begin leading teams of volunteers in response to disasters at the American Red Cross. I did that every single day when we were responding to house fires. You know, there were seven to eight house fires. There still are seven to eight house fires, you know, a day sometimes in the Chicagoland area. And so doing that, building relationships with some of America's largest corporations, emergency management groups, and really gaining that experience of not only responding to emergencies, but working with individuals that have been affected by disaster to help take care of their basic emergency needs. Things like uh, food, shelter, medical care, health care, mental health and resiliency. And, you know, that time with the American Red Cross not only kind of gave me the experience of helping individuals on the worst day of their lives, but also introduced me to people like Vince, to people in the emergency management world, people in the preparedness world who not only know and understand the importance of being ready to respond when things happen, but also because they spent their career helping people and individuals get ready for those things that might happen. Um, and this preparedness podcast, I think, is you know, a, a, another great example of that, about how important it is to think about these things ahead of time. And those years with the Red Cross, those years partnering with different organizations here in Chicagoland really prepared me to think about that globally and across the United States in my current role with Project Hope. Let the listeners know we're talking with Harley Jones from Project Hope here on Preparedness Matters Podcast with Vince Davis and Dane Neal. And Harley, you mentioned it a bunch of times as far as the Red Cross, and you mentioned, of course, responding to disasters. That's what you do on a regular basis when it comes to actual preparedness and kind of getting ready for things. Red Cross, you know, blood supply is one of the things that comes to mind. But for Project Hope, talk about that because you have a lot of these different scenarios that either exist or that you can identify around the world that can be focuses for for the relief and support that you guys offer. But on the preparedness side, how, what does that look like for Project Hope? Yeah, great, great, great question. Uh, and because Project Hope is very targeted and very specific at the healthcare system, and in particular the healthcare systems that provide care for the medically underserved or kind of uninsured populations here in the United States, you know, our work is very targeted and very specific at ensuring that the resources needed to not only think about preparedness, but to also put steps into place so that we can help mitigate some of those things when bad things happen uh, is our complete focus, right? So creating those relationships with the uh, medical systems that are caring for those vulnerable populations, helping provide them with the resources, whether it's stuff, whether it's creating plans to provide them with medical volunteers when something bad happens. And we think about, you know, different places around the country, right? We think about severe weather here in central uh, Illinois, in northern Illinois. We think about the hurricane states in places like the Gulf Coast in Texas and in Florida. Uh, and we think about how are we providing information to those individuals who are already kind of dealing with the, you know, the medical issues that they have to deal with in their life and how that's going to be even harder to do post-disaster, right? But you guys have probably talked about this on every podcast, right? I think one of the biggest challenges in the preparedness realm, whether it's Project Hope and the, and the healthcare side, 
uh, or with anybody else is getting people to take it seriously, right? We all know that it's not if a disaster is going to happen, it's when a disaster happens. Science is now telling us from a climate change perspective that these things are going to continue to happen and, in fact, might start to happen at a, at a, at a faster rate. So it's really up to us and we all have a responsibility to prepare our organizations prepare our healthcare systems and the, the kind of safety net that takes care of the most vulnerable among us so that when these bad things happen, it doesn't have as large of an effect on people as it can. And Harley, I'm glad you touched on that because one of my mantras, as you know, is the four stages of disaster denial. Uh, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen yep. to me. Uh, if it happens to me, there's nothing I can do about it. Or if it happens to me, I'll deal with it at the time. So that's always a challenge for all of us in this world of uh, preparedness and response to get people to a, take it seriously. And, and I think maybe the pandemic may have changed a lot of that because, again, it was, as you said earlier, something that affected everybody. So it wasn't just something we were watching on TV that was happening to somebody else. Uh, in some ways, our lives will be forever changed by uh, what occurred uh, during the last couple of years. Yeah, that, that's a really great point, Vince. Um, and, and I hope that does happen, right? I, I hope it, it helps us take it seriously, especially as we're working with healthcare partners across the country and across the globe. You know, this gives us an example, right? Like this is the kind of pandemic that we as a, as a collective sector have been talking about, have been concerned about. Um, we've also learned a lot, right? So we can, what are the lessons that we can learn from the pandemic, right? Uh, whether there's supply chain conversations, PPE conversations, or even um, just ensuring that the most medically uh, vulnerable populations across the country who oftentimes have a hard time making ends meet on a normal basis, it's up to us, right, as a sector, as people focused in emergency management and healthcare and humanitarian work to help advocate for those populations, help garner resources for them, and help ensure that they are taken care of um, when bad things happen, whether it be a pandemic or an emergency response, um, you know, that may come in the future. You and I have talked, Arlie, uh, over over time about some of those populations, and one of them is the, uh, you know, the Native American population. Tell us some of the things that Project Hope is uh, is working on with regard to those populations that live on reservations or that may be otherwise marginalized uh, within the community. What kinds of things might Project Hope be doing in that in that regard? Yeah, that, that's an exciting place for us as well. We've got just kind of really long-standing and great relationships with a number of indigenous populations uh, across the United States. But I'll, I'll give you two examples just to kind of um, keep it concise. You know, during the pandemic, one of our partners, and that is the Navajo Nation. So this is I'm kind of in the four corners area of, of Arizona and New Mexico. A longstanding partner with Project Hope and many of our partners, as well as the Indian Health Service there in that area. We found them very quickly overwhelmed by COVID, very quickly overwhelmed by the number of people in hospitals, by the number of people um, getting sick. And so very early on, I think that early summer of 2020, we found ourselves bringing volunteers together. And for almost a year and a half, we provided direct medical surge support for hospitals uh, on the Navajo Nation, probably about 50 to 60 employed over the course of a year and a half for us in support of that population. I'm talking 
respiratory therapists, doctors, nurses, physicians, ICU specialists. We began sending volunteers there on deployments that ranged from two weeks to six months. And all we were doing was helping surge the number of medical professionals that they had to deal with the influx. And in particular, because they are oftentimes finding themselves from a health equity perspective, not seeing the same level of investment in some of those hospitals and facilities. So the ability to be in there and and help support them was really important. One other example that I'll give you is another great partner of ours in Southeast Louisiana. I was on the ground post-Hurricane Ida. I found myself not only in New Orleans, but in the bayou in Southeast Louisiana. We have a partner there, a local uh, indigenous tribe to Southeast Louisiana, the United Home and Nation. And so very quickly, we had a medical team on the ground. We were seeing people who had been affected by Hurricane Ida in that area. For probably a few weeks after, we were seeing patients. We were taking care of kind of acute medical needs. But we have continued to partner with them. And so to your point, then like we're not only thinking about how they were recovering from Hurricane Ida, but we were also starting to think about what their population needs moving forward. And one of the most exciting things that we're kind of just finishing up with them is that for the very first time, we've helped provide resources and equipment and procurement for them to have their own clinic space for their tribe in a very dedicated location in their kind of under construction community center that they're about to finish. We're really excited about that. It increases their capacity for healthcare, not only with their population on a day-to-day basis, but also provides a one-stop shop for their population post-disaster where we can send and other partners can send medical professionals and have the equipment and the supplies necessary to take care of the medical needs of their population moving forward. And that was something they didn't have before Ida or before the hurricane before that, but they will have next time as we think about preparedness. So really important population. We love to continue to partner with them because we know that oftentimes they are on the receiving end of some of those problems from a health equity perspective that we see across the country. Let the listeners know we're talking with Harley Jones from Project Hope. And Harley, as we let you go, for those people that want to get more information about the organization, some of the efforts, some of the projects, ways that they can get involved, get, like I said, more insight, and then also support, where can they go? Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to to plug a little bit about the work that we're doing. Um, As with every great organization, you know, you can visit our website, projecthope.org. You can always take a look at the information we have going on, whether it's our ever-growing response in some place like Ukraine to the projects we have going on here in the United States. You can follow us on Twitter at projecthope.org. Um, there, and then you can always reach out to me. I love to partner. I love to work with organizations that are, that are focused in preparedness. Um, especially if Project Hope can be helpful in supporting the healthcare outcomes of the people that they serve. You can get me at my email, hjones at projecthope.org. And just want to thank both of you for the opportunity to, to not only talk to you about Project Hope, but the, but the work that we do. Harley, thank you so much, my friend, for uh, being on with us today. I hope our listeners are better informed about the great work that Project Hope is doing and continues to do. And uh, thank you again for your time. We appreciate it. Be safe out there. Thank you both for all that you do and for keeping the conversation going to help keep people safe uh, across the country. Appreciate it. Preparedness Matters is sponsored by In Case of Crisis 365 your solution to managing the dramatic rise in business disruptions. Take the crisis out of crisis management. 